Sure. Let's stand together. And we just got two, uh, two slides. And I'm going to read the pink, and you're going to read the white. And this is what it says. As each has received a gift, all of us, we have each received a gift, at least one, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your love for us, demonstrated, exhibited so clearly, vividly in Jesus Christ. And thank you for the Holy Spirit that takes everything that you have accomplished and made available in Jesus and makes it applicable to our lives through the Spirit. And so today we pray, Lord, for those that are grieving, we think of Lynn and uh, we think of uh, Loretta today. And uh, Father, you're the God of all comfort. And we pray that you would comfort them today. We continue to think of this disaster in Saskatchewan and the families that are grieving and going through funeral processes and all that's involved in that. Father, I'm so thankful that you're a God of grace, of love, and incredible, unfathomable compassion. And so we ask today that you would just be so close to them, give them the peace of Christ that passes all understanding. Father, we pray today as we look into your word, give us a voice to speak, ears to hear, minds to understand, hearts to comprehend. And particularly as we leave this place to go out into our world, into our homes or neighborhoods, and that we would live out the truth of Jesus Christ in meaningful, tangible, and physical ways for his praise and glory. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. So we have been talking, we started last week talking about spiritual gifts. And this morning what I'm hoping to do is give you some practical advice, suggestions, if you will, around uh, spiritual gifts. So we want to begin talking about the path to joy. And the path to joy really comes down to this, that serving through or in our giftings actually is the path to joy. Now, like everything else, when we serve the Lord, there are times where there are frustrations and there are challenges. But God wants us to serve and he wants us to experience joy. And because serving through and in our giftedness is the path to joy, then that's why every Christian, every one of us, needs to know what our spiritual gift or gifts are. So let's talk a little bit about why that's important. Well, first of all, why it's important that we need to know our spiritual gift is that it helps us understand the will of God for our lives. Somebody said this, what God has called you to do, he has gifted you to do. And what God has gifted you to do, he has called you to do. Also, it helps us to know what God has not called us to do. 
And one of the ways in which we do that, of course, is that as we learn to begin, as we begin to learn what our spiritual gift is, we begin to realize that this is the thing or this, that is the thing that God has called us to. And it also helps us to understand that we can say no and say, no, that's not really where my gift lies. And that comes with familiarity. Further, it relieves us serving from a sense of duty. Now, don't get me wrong. We all need to, at times as Christians, to serve and do our duty. There are times that we are called upon to do things that, that, that stretches us, that sacrifices, that brings some sacrifice, or, or stretches us a bit because we're not particularly and overly comfortable in doing what we're supposed to do in this particular situation. But the reality is God wants us to enjoy what we do for him. God intends for us to enjoy. Further than that, it helps us to understand how the Holy Spirit works in and through us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.9 that we are God's fellow workers, that we are his co-laborers, another translation says. So one of the things that we learn as we learn our spiritual gift and as we begin to use it, we begin to discover how God works through us and how God works in us and actually how God speaks to us and speaks through us. In addition to that, it, it fulfills a deep inner need. Because every one of us in this room, all of us that are watching online, every one of us that are Christ followers, there is a God-given inner need inside of us to serve. And how we know that is this. Because the Bible tells us, and we know this by experience, that it is indeed more blessed to give than to receive. Right? There's a much better, I mean, you kind of feel selfish a little bit because when you give, you give because, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel good here. But the reality is we always feel better about giving and serving than we do actually about being served and serving. So let me ask you a really bold question. You okay? All right. How many of you love to be served? It's okay. It's not a sin. Scott's got his hand up, Pastor Scott, so you can feel free to put yours up. I'll be talking to him later. And the rest of you will need to come to the altar. No, I'm just really kidding, that's all. Some people love to be served. Now, how many of you love to serve? Raise your hand. See, all over the room. Most of us, the reason why we love to serve is because there's an inner need inside of us to actually serve. And then I think that we can't really talk about spiritual gifts without talking about the fact that it builds unity in the body of Christ. So I understand what my spiritual gift is, and I use it, and then I begin to learn what your spiritual gift is, and you begin to learn what my spiritual gift is, and all of a sudden we start working together out of our strengths and out of our giftedness and begin to really believe and begin to see that unity becomes a reality. And on top of that, I think that it equips us to fulfill God's purpose for our lives. Now, I mentioned this last week, and I'll mention it again for those of you that weren't here or those of you that weren't watching, that at birth, we all receive natural gifts. And, of course, those natural gifts have to be developed. For example, if you have a gift in music and uh, you can play an instrument or you sing really well, then, of course, that needs to be cultivated. That needs to be used. That needs to be developed. And the same is true with spiritual gifts. And so at, at, at birth, natural birth, we receive natural gifts, part of our equation. 
When we are born again at rebirth, when we become Christ followers and we are regenerated by the Spirit of God, guess what? God gives us spiritual gifts, at least one. Our text this morning said that each one of us has been given a gift, at least one gift. And some of us, of course, have more than that. And so, as the Holy Spirit has equipped us with our spiritual gifts, it is, he does so so that we can do God's will, and at the same time, we can fulfill our unique purpose. And then finally, it helps, it adds to our self-acceptance. Because the more we know ourselves, the better we feel about ourselves. So all of a sudden, when we learn that, let's say, for example, we have the gift of mercy, And so we have this gift of mercy, or we have the gift of leadership, or whatever gift you want. It really doesn't matter. And all of a sudden, you begin to realize that all of a sudden, you begin to use your gift, and you start to get successful, and you put some of those successes under your belt, and all of a sudden, you start to feel better about who you are as a person, that you're actually making a visible and viable contribution to the kingdom of God. So... Not many things give us a sense of joy and satisfaction and fulfillment. Like knowing that we are working in the area of our giftedness, in the area of our spiritual gifts, because it breeds confidence and joy. Spiritual gifts allow you and I to be ourselves. Now, I'll talk more about that in just a minute, but now some of you might be thinking... Well, you know, Pastor, that all sounds great, and, but I have never experienced that kind of joy in serving. So your experience might be described as maybe frustration, more frustration than fulfillment. Well, I want to say this to you, that God never intended for you or me or us to serve him and to serve other people and be frustrated by it. That's not the plan. That's not the will of God. That's not who God is. Now, there are times, as I said a moment ago, and so don't take it to the nth degree here, but there are times when we have the sacrifice, and I think we all get that. We're smart enough to get that. But understand that God's plan is not for you to serve and be frustrated. God's plan is for us to serve him and to serve one another and find a sense of fulfillment. So if our experience is more described as being frustrating rather than fulfilling, then maybe there are some reasons why. So I want to look briefly at the physical and spiritual considerations for discovering and understanding our spiritual gifts. Now, I'll get to more positive stuff in a moment, so just put your seatbelt on for the next few minutes. So let's consider some of the spirit or some of the physical factors. The first is that we are not using our spiritual gift. Aligning our tasks with our gifts is biblical. Let me say it again. Aligning our tasks, what we do, with our gifts is biblical. Now, there's an interesting story in the book of Acts 
Uh, Acts chapter 6, where uh, the church is growing and there's a number of widows in the early church, both uh, Jewish and both uh, Gentile widows. And uh, there are some complications because their needs are not being taken care of. And so they come to uh, Peter and, and the boys, and they were all boys, sorry. And uh, they say, listen, the widows are not being cared for. And Peter says something very interesting. He says, well, it is, and I'm quoting from the text, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Now, when I first read that a long, long time ago, I thought, man, that's pretty uppity. I mean, aren't we all supposed to be servants? Aren't we all supposed to serve? But they knew who they were. And they knew what their primary calling was. So the acknowledgement of their primary gifting and their primary calling, which was to pray and preach the word of God, allowed the door to open for seven other people to actually use their spiritual gifts. The second thing is we're using our spiritual gift in the wrong place. Now, if we serve in a place or position that matches our spiritual gift, then we are going to serve with a sense of fulfillment, a sense of accomplishment. And so, therefore, we need to discover not only where to use our gift, but we also need to discover what our spiritual gift is. And the third thing I want to just mention here is this, and I I think this is very practical, that sometimes our season of life changes. For example illness or new responsibilities or other circumstances. One of the things, one of the beautiful things that's happened at Glad Tidings is that we have had a major influx of infant children. Uh, We had four last year, eight in the month of January this year. So I expect all of us to keep moving along here and keep the numbers up. So get busy. But here's the deal. Nothing changes the equation for young mothers for young mothers than having babies. The other thing on the other end of the expect, on the other end of the spectrum is getting older. That sometimes because of age and because of health, it actually starts to limit our involvement. And so for good or bad, these things are a part and parcel of life. And there are lots of other things that go on in our lives, that go on in your life at different segments and stages of our lives that change our life. But let me talk to you about some spiritual uh, considerations, some spiritual factors. And um, the the first one is this, and I'm, I'm a bit uncomfortable with this one, is stubbornness. Sometimes we don't serve and we don't use our spiritual gift is because we're not willing to. We're not willing to come under authority. Now, I know that there's no one here at GTC like that. But in other churches, that's sometimes a problem. The second reason why we may not serve and use our gift is because of pride. And one of the things about pride is that we like somebody else's gift better than ours. Therefore, the residual effect is we dislike ours more than somebody else's. We've all been there, right? We look at somebody and we think, wow, they're the epitome of what it means to be gifted. And we look at our little gift belittlingly and we think, what's the point? And so one of the things we need to keep in mind is this. Uh, Jesus 
didn't call me to be like Rod. And Jesus didn't call Rod to be like Todd. I just use those names because they run. He called both of us to be like Jesus. Matter of fact, the Bible actually says in 1 Corinthians this, that when we compare ourselves with ourselves, that when you compare yourself with me and I compare myself with you, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says actually we are unwise. Matter of fact, another transversion says, translation says transversion. Uh, translation says we are fools. Because the reality is there's, there's trouble when we compare. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, that t- text that we'll look at next week, he says, but as it is, but as it is, this is what it is. God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. So when I look at my gift and I think, wow, I don't have much of a gift, or you look at your gift and think, wow, you know, compared to somebody else, I'm not much. The reality is what we're doing here is we're really speaking ill against God because he chose. He chose what gift you should have. He chose. You didn't. When you got reborn, when at rebirth, you were given gift or, or gifts from God, and he chose which ones you should have. Not me, not even you. God. The other one is disobedience, of course. Di- disobedience is always a problem. But the opposite of that is the power of obedience. And last week we had our baptismal class, and I talked to our uh, candidates. I, talk, we, I talked about the fact that one of the reasons why we get water baptized is because of the act of obedience. And there is power in the act of obedience. There's power. I can't explain it. I can't hardly express it, but all I can tell you is that there is power in obedience. And obedience is the root that produces the fruit of a creative life. You want to hear it again? Obedience is the root that produces the fruit of a creative life. The other thing why we may not use our skills is self-centeredness. Self-centeredness causes us to be insensitive and to not see a need. I can become so self-absorbed in my life, in my issues, in my burdens, in my journey, in my getting ahead, that I don't even bother to see them in Stuart's life because I'm self-absorbed. Let me move on quickly because I know I'm getting in trouble. Misplaced values and priorities is another reason that we have bought into the values of the culture. That more is better and bigger is better and faster is better rather than into the values of the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed that do mourn. Blessed that hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled. And then fear. Fear is a beast. Fear is a monster. That's why I asked Melinda as a candidate today just to share a little bit about why she didn't She'd been a Christian for a long time and and, and a a wonderful Christian uh, since she was a little girl. And the reality is that fear kept her from being baptized. How much fear keeps us from doing what God has asked us to do? Fear. It's paralyzing. And then the last one is indifference. And I don't know what to do with indifference. 
Because I don't have an antidote for indifference. I, I once told you a couple of weeks ago that the, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. And the reality is that if we are indifferent to the things of God, there's nothing I can do to help. That's the work of the Spirit in my life. That's the work of the Spirit in your life. That's the work of the Spirit in our lives. Does that make sense? Okay, let me keep going, and let me finish with this because I'm almost done. Not white, but you know how it goes. So let's consider the positive now, the practical considerations for discovering and understanding our spiritual gifts. So I want to give you now some, some things sort of the, to help with us discovering our spiritual gifts. So the first thing that needs to happen is that we have to be open to God as a channel for his use. We have to be open. You have to be willing. And there's three ways in which we do that. First, by connecting to a local body of believers and being active in that local body. And one of the ways that we start to be active is by responding to the needs that already exist in this church. And if you're wondering what needs to happen in this church, well, I don't have a long catalog of lists for you, of uh, things for you to do, but I do know this. If you talk to some of our staff, you talk to Pastor Sherry, you talk to Pastor uh, Derek, and you talk to Pastor Kevin, and uh, I can tell you, talk to Leanne and all them, and they'll, they'll give you some ideas of what you need to do where you can begin to learn how to serve. And I'm going to say this. And I'm going to repeat this again next week because I think this becomes very important. The issue around spiritual gifts comes, comes down to this. You have to step out in faith. You have to step out in faith. There are times when you are asked to do something that you feel you have no skills and no experience and it's like me stepping off this platform into midair. Only to find that when we step out in obedience to serve and in humility, God is there where we put our next step. But you have to step out in faith first. And I'll come back to that next week. We have to be open to the Holy Spirit. Paul says these words in Corinthians 12, 7, 11. He says that the spiritual gifts are a manifestation of the Spirit in us. We're back to this again. That your gift, my gift, our gifts are manifestations of the Holy Spirit. They come from Him. And then the last thing that just kind of hear about uh, talking about being open to God as a channel to be used is that we just need to ask. Paul, uh, James says that if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God because he gives generously, generously without finding fault. Like, can you think of two better reasons to ask God? Number one, he gives generously, extravagantly. And the second one is that he never finds fault. He never says to, you know, Kevin, um, if you came to me earlier, this wouldn't be a problem right now. He never does that. Generously, without finding fault. The second suggestion I would make to you is explore the possibilities. So ask yourself this question, what is my personality. Uh, the, the Bible says in, in uh, Psalm chapter uh, 139 says, for you form me, David is talking to God, he says, for you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderful made. So what does inward parts actually mean? It means that our personality comes from God. 
that our personality comes from God, and that there is often, now get this, there is often a compatibility between our personality that comes from God and our spiritual gift that comes from God. There's often a congruency there, a compatibility between our personality, our made in our inward parts, and the spiritual gifts that we get at rebirth. There's often compatibility because God tends to use people as we are. Back to Peter for a moment. If you've read the Bible at all, you know that the Apostle Peter was very aggressive and abrasive before he met Christ. If you'll notice, after he met Christ, there wasn't that much change. He was aggressive and abrasive. However, through the process of redemption and the work of the Spirit, he was softened and smoothed out and it was harnessed and it was redirected, but he's still Peter. And whether for good or bad, Todd is always going to be Todd. Now, Ruth found that out the hard way. Don't you be laughing because your spouse has found that the hard way too. If you're engaged to be married or thinking about getting married and you think you're going to change the person you're marrying, good luck with that. How's that working for you? It ain't going to happen. And let me tell you, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ and we reborn, one of the beautiful things I love about Christianity, one of the beautiful things I love about Christianity is this. That every single person in this room and every single person watching online and every Christ follower in the city of Sudbury and around the world, every one of us are being conformed to who? One person, Jesus Christ. One person, Jesus Christ. And here's the miracle of Christianity. God does that in a way that he preserves our unique personality and identity. So Rod, I'm picking on you a lot today, Rod comes to faith in Jesus Christ, and, and God's plan for him is to become like Jesus, but he's able miraculously to maintain Rod's personality and Rod's individuality and identity. Todd comes to faith in Christ, and I am being made in the image of God just like you're being made in the image of God, but we are crafted in such a miraculous way by the Holy Spirit that you still get to be you. Is that not incredible? Like, is that not an incredible miracle? So after his conversion to Christianity, Peter is the same. Just a little bit refined. Just a little bit smoothed out. The second question we want to ask is, what is my personal preference? In other words, what's my desire? That God's will in regard to his using us and the spiritual gifts he gives to us is often in line with our personal preferences. For, so example, for, for example, you like to cook. Well, you may have a gift of hospitality because they align. The other question we ask ourselves is, what is my passion? Now, passion, of course, by definition, is an undying devotion. It's a powerful emotion. Synonyms for passion are these. Fervor, ardor, zeal, enthusiasm. The word enthusiasm comes from the Greek statement in theos. 
with God. Enthusiasm means with God. That's what it means to be passionate. It means that when we are, when we, when we are asking the question, what we desire and what are we passionate about, it's this, enthusiasm, what we are doing with God gives us passion and enthusiasm. So what stirs your passion? What are you passionate about? What gets you jazzed? What wakes you up in the morning? And more often than not, that that's where your spiritual gift lies. Frederick Buechner said this. It was in your notes last week, but I didn't use it. He said, the place God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. See, God is not a sporadic God. The second, or the third thing I'll tell you to do is that you need to experiment. Take your spiritual gift out for a test drive. You know how when you go get a new vehicle, you test drive a whole bunch of them? Well, if you're smart, you do. Or you just do it because it's a lot of fun, and some of those cars you're never going to afford to drive anyway. But test drive your spiritual gift. Uh, somebody t- told me this, and uh, I, it's true because uh, I've proven it. They talk about seven-minute pasta. And how you prove that the pasta is ready, you know this. After seven minutes, you take it and you fling it against the wall. And if it sticks to the wall, it's el dante. It is perfect. So what I'm saying to you is take your spiritual gift, throw it against the kitchen wall, and see if anything sticks. I'm serious. Take it out for a test drive. Experiment. Start small. Be faithful. And kind of, it'll grow into bigger things. The, The fourth thing is examine our emotions, our feelings. So ask yourself this question. Does this give me life, or does it suck life from me? Is what I'm doing for the kingdom of God, does it give me life or does it drain me? And I'm going to say nine times out of ten, if it drains you, it's not your spiritual gift. And if it gives you life, it's probably your spiritual gift. Discovery and understanding our spiritual gift is the path to joy. And i got to tell you, folks, I would rather be doing this for God than anything else. And there's a whole other bunch of bracketed things that comes after that statement that I don't have time to get into. But that's how you feel when you're using your spiritual gift and you've discovered your spiritual gift and, it, and it's working for you and you know this is who you are and this is what you do and this is your giftedness. There's this sense of, man, I would rather be doing this than anything else. There's a sense of ought to. i got to do this. The fifth thing is look for fruit. Now, just a note of caution. There is a difference between the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Gifts deal with our ability to do something. Fruit shows who and what we are. So the essence of the gifts is function. The essence of the fruit is character. And so we need to evaluate our spiritual gift. Does this give us joy? In what areas do we experience enthusiasm? How effective are we? And you may want to ask these questions as well. Am I developing more competence in this area? Do opportunities open up for me to exercise my gift? Are my efforts producing good results? 
Is there fruit in the lives of others? Is there fruit in my life? And is there an evidence of the working of the Holy Spirit in my life? For example, if you think you have the gift of evangelism, are people getting saved? If you have the gift of mercy, are, do people feel comforted and they, do they feel helped and do they feel consoled around you? If you walk into a, into a hospital room and you say to somebody who's really ill, you know what, you need to get up and get over it. You may not have the gift of mercy. Just saying. The other thing, and I'll mention this next week, is your spiritual gift is something that it feels... Well, we know that spiritual gifts are supernatural, right? They come from God. They come from the Holy Spirit, right? We know that, right? But when you operate in your spiritual gift, it should feel natural, supernatural. I'm going to leave that with you. I'll come back to it. And then two more things, very quickly. First of all, expect affirmation. If you're using your spiritual gift in the place you're supposed to use it, then expect some affirmation. Look for positive feedback from friends, from fellow Christians, from pastors or whatever. Pay attention to the responses of other people in your life. If nobody says anything great about, not great, but positive about your gift, they're probably not. We had a lady in a church we pastored who thought she had the gift of singing. Folks, she couldn't carry a tune if it had a handle on it. But there was no convincing her. She, I mean, folks, it was, it was like fingernails on a chalkboard. Enough said. The last thing is simply this. Consider a spiritual gift inventory. Now, I've given you on the screen here, all you got to do, now, now let me just say a word before I talk, talk about uh, gift inventories. Now, gift inventories are not perfect. I've done a bunch of them over the years, and generally they always come out, for me, about the same. Now, they are helpful, they're not perfect, but they will begin to give you a vague, sometimes even better than vague, understanding of your spiritual gift. So you can go on to this uh, next slide. Hey, there you go. You go here, gtsubbery.ca slash gifts, and there are 75 questions that you can answer, and you can begin to find out what your spiritual gift is, the way you are wired personally, and then the way you are wired spiritually. Does that make sense? Stand with me. Father, <laughs> we love you. We thank you that you have created a kingdom that we get to be involved in, that we get to participate. And the miraculous thing is that we don't just get to participate in our own abilities, but you give us spiritual gifts. And Father, I, I look around this room, and, and I think about all the brilliant people in this room. And I think, Lord, that every single one of us has natural gifts. But every single Christ follower in this room and everyone online has been given a gift. I pray 
that you will give us the wisdom. If we haven't yet discovered what our spiritual gift is to discover it, lead us into it, bring us resources, bring us people that will help us to discover our spiritual gift and then help us to understand it. Because when Glad Tidings Church begins to function and continues to function in our spiritual gifting, there will not only be joy, but there will be incredible fruit. And we ask this for one name only and for the sake of Jesus Christ. Amen.